2: everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, Darth Vader
1: speaks right. Steve Bannon gives his first interview since leaving the White House and says the Catholic Church is just trying to fill up the pews. That's why they support the uh, immigrants and don't want it. The immigrants and don't want to deport them all. What do you say? Hello, everybody! Great to see you today. It's a Friday. Would you believe it? A Friday, Friday, September eighth. Great to see you today. A rare Friday appearance for me, but you know, since we took Monday off, we thought we uh, uh, might as well put in four good days here. Uh, the ultimate sacrifice made. Uh,
3: <laughs> where's it, Igor Volsky or John Allen Sabrina yeah Siddiqui, I mean come on or Peter, Peter Ogburn. Ogburn
1: we know where Peter is but anyway well, we'll, we'll tell you where Peter is a little bit later yes indeed it's great to see you today thank you so much for joining us the Bill Press Show coming to you live as always from Washington D.C. with a great lineup of guests and a lot to uh, talk about yep we'll bring you up to date on Hurricane uh, Irma haven't heard much from Jose uh, lately there's too much to talk about with Irma uh, that be, The Senate yesterday passed the big deal cooked up by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi with Donald Trump in the Oval Office. Donnie Jr. putting in five hours in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday. Betsy DeVos saying, uh, be kind to rapists. That's the new uh, logo, slogan of the Trump administration. And yes, Steve Bannon unloading uh, for 60 minutes and dumping on the Catholic Church. All of that coming up. Give us uh, your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll dive right in. But
3: first.
2: This is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. We begin with Hurricane Irma, the latest overnight. Hurricane Irma did hit the Turks and Caicos early Friday morning with waves as high as 20 feet high. Irma has been downgraded, however, from a Category 5 to a Category 4. It should be noted that this is still a very powerful hurricane, 5 to 4. I mean, it's still a Category 4 hurricane with winds uh, near 155 miles an hour. The current death toll uh, from the destruction in the Caribbean islands stands at 11. Hurricane Jose, currently a Category Mm. 3 storm. With 125 mile an hour winds, Uh, not expected to make landfall anytime soon. But folks in Florida should be extremely worried and uh, should should be leaving as soon as possible.
1: uh, A lot of them are. I talked to a friend of mine yesterday from uh, Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. He's he's already gone north uh, heading toward Georgia. He said he didn't want to wait and. And be in all the last-minute traffic getting if, out of there.
3: If we can learn anything from Harvey, the the best get, option is to get out as soon as possible. Right. Uh, a new study from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, as published in the Washington mm-hmm. Post yesterday, found that marijuana use among teens, specifically 12 to 17 year olds, dropped to their lowest level in two decades. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, teen drug use is often linked to a lot of problems later in life, including addiction and criminal behavior that can start with marijuana. You know, Jeff Sessions is big on saying that marijuana is a gateway drug. I do not believe that it is.
1: Uh, It's been proven that it's not.
3: So here's some more evidence that teen drug use is down. We don't see teens jumping into drugs like heroin and cocaine because they're starting marijuana early on in life. We know that that has dropped at the lowest level since 1994.
1: Uh, that's good to hear. Yes. And I hope, um, you know, Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump and others pay attention to it.
3: By the way, the study also notes that marijuana use is up in adults, no surprise there. But uh, well, alcohol use is down, which suggests that some people may be uh, starting to substitute alcohol use for marijuana use.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's going to happen. We'll That's see. interesting. Great. Right. The crossover.
3: Yeah. One more quick story. Sean Spicer, it is announced that he will make his late night TV debut on Jimmy Kimmel Live next Wednesday, September 13th. It's his first television interview since leaving the White House.
1: And when will he be on Saturday Night Live?
3: Let's hope the first episode of the season, right? I think so.
2: Your Radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Happy
1: Friday. What do you say it is Friday, September 8th? Hello, 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 everybody. And welcome to the program, uh, the Bill Press Show, that is, uh, as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, the most powerful city on the planet because we're here. That's why. Uh, right down the street from the United States Capitol building, in our studio on Capitol Hill and reaching out to you and joining you everywhere in this great land of ours on radio, on television. Again, good to see you. Happy Friday. We're uh, with you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Free speech TV looking at you coast to coast. And uh, out in WCPT in Chicago on the progressive voice of the greater Chicago area. Hello, hello, hello. Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky from Chicago will be joining us uh, in just about half an hour. Congressman John Yarmouth from Kentucky joining us a little bit after that. And Alexi Alexi McCammond, Deputy News Editor at uh, Axios, will be here as well uh, in between with lots and lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. That deal that uh, Donald Trump st- st- struck, <laughs> sorry, with uh, it's a Friday, it's fine. I know with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, we were wondering yesterday if that deal would last. Well, uh, it made it through the Senate yesterday. Boy, that talk about acting fast. Uh, you know, make a deal with Democrats, you get something done. Maybe Donald Trump learned something there. Um, Donald Trump Jr. five hours in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday. Uh, And as expected, there have been uh, a few leaks about what he talked about. Steve Bannon, yes, making his first TV appearance since leaving the White House, uh, taking advantage of that opportunity to dump on the uh, Catholic Church. And Betsy DeVos, on behalf of the president, the secretary of education, uh, saying that we have to ease up on rapists and make it easier for rapists. That's the new policy of the Trump administration. Uh, Let's give you the rundown. And remember... I will tell you what's going on, but uh, so important to hear from you, your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, and we'll read the best of them on the air. Let's start with the hurricane situation where we started uh, every day this week. Hurricane Irma uh, doing major damage, destroyed basically the the, uh, island of Barbuda. Uh, Yesterday, it was the Turks and the Caicos that took a direct hit. And uh, by late today, early tomorrow morning, it is going to be Miami. It looks like the path of the storm right now is right over Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Uh, governor Rick Scott yesterday, Florida, saying, uh, "You thought Andrew was bad? That was the worst yet to hit Florida. This is even Irma, even worse."
0: Hurricane Andrew is one of the worst storms in the history of Florida. This is much worse and more devastating on its current path.
1: And the governor says, "Get out of town." If you're in an evacuation area, do
0: not wait to get out. You, we're not going to be able to uh, save people once the storm hits.
1: I heard that deal yesterday, or that announcement yesterday, uh, particularly the area of Fort Lauderdale. Called a friend of mine who lives in Fort Lauderdale, and he had indeed um, uh, heeded uh, the warning. Uh, didn't want to wait till the heavy, heavy traffic with all the last-minute people getting out of town. Uh, he had already left, headed up to northern Florida, right near the uh, Georgia border. So he's ready to go even farther north or east or whatever. Watching, just sitting there watching uh, the news reports uh, every day. But uh, they're taking it—they're taking seriously. I think over half a million people had already evacuated by uh, yesterday evening.
3: Yep. And by the way, our friend Travis Waldron from HuffPost. Oh, yeah,
1: right. We were going to check in with is, him. He's
3: uh, still down in Florida reporting on this. Uh, he's doing some great reporting down there. So f- make sure to follow him on Twitter at Travis Waldron uh, from HuffPost reporting Huff- on Irma.
1: Right. Or uh, hmm, HuffingtonPost.com or HuffPost, I guess. HuffPost I
3: or Huffington. Yeah, same place. Yep. Uh, right. Uh, and one uh, great
1: little note about um, hurricane relief. Again, the Senate did pass that bill yesterday. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, But five, five, five former presidents got together yesterday and taped um, a plea for help for Harvey through uh, the—called the Charity One America. You'll hear the voice of our five presidents uh, in in, in no particular order, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Jimmy Carter, and George H.W. Bush.
2: Hurricane Harvey brought terrible destruction. But it also brought out the best in humanity. As former
4: presidents, we wanted to help our fellow Americans begin to recover.
5: Our friends in Texas, including Presidents Bush 41 and 43, are doing just that.
4: People are hurting down here. But as one Texan put it, we've got more love in Texas than water. We love you,
1: Texas.
6: Donate to OneAmericaAppeal.org. We are all in this together.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. One America. Dot org, Pretty
3: powerful stuff Pretty to hear powerful, from all five Very powerful
1: of yeah. statement, indeed. Uh, and by the way, as if um, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Jose is not enough to track, uh, Mother Nature uh, again showing her fury this morning with an 8.1 earthquake uh, striking uh, off the coast of southern Mexico, right near the border with Guatemala. Uh, take it from me, one who has experienced many earthquakes in California. You get up anywhere above 5, 5.4, 5.6, uh, you do a lot of damage. I have lived through a few of those in the San Francisco and Los Angeles area, and 8.1 is massive. Uh, it was offshore. We're just getting the first reports of damage down there, uh, reported tsunami waves as well. Uh, but uh, another um, natural disaster there um, that hit this morning. More information on that uh, throughout the day. Uh, Yes, indeed. Let's go to the uh, Senate where yesterday, and we come back to this is uh, the deal struck the day before Wednesday in that Oval Office meeting. As we uh, relayed to you yesterday, again, this was uh, an incredible uh, surprise, particularly to Paul Ryan and um, Mitch McConnell, where they were sitting there with the Democratic leaders as well, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, uh, and Paul Ryan and um, Mitch McConnell were making the argument that we need to have an 18-month deal on the debt. We're going to raise the debt ceiling, but it's got to be 18 months. Uh, That's he said. The markets need that. The economy needs that. Uh, And then Trump turned to um, Secretary of his his Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, and Steve Mnuchin says, "Well, I support the 18 month deal, but I think we could also get by with six months if we had to uh, as an emergency measure." Uh, At which point the president (laughs) turned uh, to Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, And they said, well, we think we got a better deal, which is let's combine the debt ceiling. Uh, Well, first of all, let's combine Hurricane Harvey funding and keeping the government running and extend the debt ceiling for three months. And let's all agree on that. And let's just get it done so we can move on and talk about other things like maybe DACA. And the president on the spot said. Deal. You got a deal, Chuck. You got a deal, Nancy. Nancy. Uh, he made the deal on the spot, and yesterday it passed. This this is within 24 hours of that meeting, this three-month extension deal passed the Senate yesterday, and it heads back to the House where even Paul Ryan, who had said re- uh, the day before, the day be- uh, I'm sorry, before that meeting, yeah, the day before, just before the meeting in the Oval Office, that this was a ridiculous idea. Totally ridiculous to think of only extending for three months. Uh, Paul Ryan sees the writing on the wall and says, Okay, I surrender.
0: Personally, I think the debt limit in the credit markets, the longer, the better for the stability of the credit markets. That's my strong opinion. Um, But he was interested in making sure. uh, that this is a bipartisan moment while we respond to these hurricanes. And he made that clear, and I think that's what, what his motivation was.
1: Uh, and Donald Trump said that yesterday at a little news conference he had uh, with the uh, prime minister of Kuwait, um, that it just seemed like the time was right, says Donald Trump. It was sort of like, uh, pardon the phrase, uh, the perfect storm.
4: You look at North Korea, you look at the hurricanes, you look at what's going on in the Middle East, and I said, frankly, it's time that we walk out and shake hands and have a deal.
3: God, I hate to say it, but he's right. No, he's kind of no,
1: right. No, he is kind of right on this. Although, although, well, we'll get to that in just a second. But at any rate, what's funny, I think about this is that yesterday morning, Donald Trump. For, well, as we played the clips yesterday, after the meeting, all it was it was like a, like a love fest. It was like puppy love. All Donald Trump talked about was what a great meeting I had with Chuck and Nancy. Chuck and Nancy, not crying. Chuck, Chuck, and not incompetent. Nancy, no. Nancy, Chuck and Nancy thanked Chuck and Nancy for the meeting publicly over and over.
4: Never. And I'm committed to working with both parties to yeah, deliver for right. our wonderful, wonderful citizens. It's about time we had a great meeting with
1: Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Never mentions Paul Ryan, nor Mitch McConnell, and clearly Donald Trump was pissed off at Ryan and McConnell. He played ball with them for seven months. He trusted them to deliver on his repeal of Obamacare. They could not. So he said, well, let's try the Democrats and see what we can get done um, with them.
4: I appreciate everybody being here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nancy, Chuck.
1: Appreciate yeah, it very you. much. Thank you, Nancy, Chuck. What's your name? Uh, Ryan, is that it? I can't read your name tag there. <laughs> thank you very much, Nancy, <laughs> Chuck. Appreciate it very much. So he makes this deal. And the funny part is, so yesterday morning— Trump is watching TV. Of course, that's all he does, right? He's watching the morning shows and he sees that everybody loves this deal, even Fox News. So what does Donald Trump do? He gets on the phone. Who does he call? He calls Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi yesterday morning to say, "Oh my God, everybody loves this. Did you see the new- Did you watch the morning show this morning? What What great reviews we're getting? We're getting – everybody's talking, saying good things about this deal. And so Nancy Pelosi says, well, you know, Mr. President, maybe now what you ought to do when everybody's feeling good is uh, how about those dreamers? You now you've got to do something about the dreamers next. And in the meantime, maybe you could <laughs> – she's telling him what to tweet. Maybe you should tweet out something to reassure the dreamers.
5: When he called this morning, I said, thanks for calling. This is what we need people really need a reassurance from from you, mr. President, that um, uh, the six month period is not a period of roundup.
3: you yeah, know it's been a while since we've given Nancy Pelosi some some praise on the show, right You know progressives have a fair have a fair reasons to to criticize. Uh, Every Nancy time Pelosi. I say
1: something good about Nancy, we get hammered. Sure. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: But, you know, I put this in the pre-show email yesterday. It's give her a new nickname, Pelosi the Puppet Master. She dictated Trump's tweets yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. She's That's like, a huge deal. A no, Democrat dictated a Republican president's statement to the American people. John Kelly can't
1: do that. Nancy <laughs> Pelosi did. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. So she told him what to tweet, and he did. He tweeted out and said, basically, we're going to revisit this. In fact, and by the way, one other Nancy thing she said: the reason they were able to get this deal done, right? You got two New Yorkers.
5: I was very proud of uh, uh, the Senate Minority, uh, Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer. He he could speak New York to the president.
1: <laughs> and when you see again that picture of the two of them, that picture. Through the window from the rose garden into the oval office, and Chuck right in Chuck right in Donald Trump's face. Yeah,
3: you know the, the they, next New Yorker that that Trump has to talk to has to be Bernie Sanders, right? Brooklyn Zone. Uh, yeah, Brooklyn Zone. Maybe Bernie gets in yeah. his ear next time around,
1: or uh, maybe Timothy Dolan. Uh, we'll get to that in a second too. At any rate, so this deal was struck. They this could lead. The question is whether this could lead to other deals. Um. For example, DACA, uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have told the president, we'd like to work with you on DACA, and the president said uh, he's willing to, to, to entertain that. A standalone bill to make the Dreamers Act uh, official, if there were any question of legality, I don't think there is, but to deal with that issue once and for all by having Congress pass a law and the president sign it, which would be huge Huge and the right thing to do if Pelosi and Schumer can convince Trump of that. But they are discussing that. And one other thing they're discussing is uh, fixing the debt ceiling once and for all, which is something that Chuck Schumer uh, has been talking about for a long time. So instead of once or twice a year coming to this crisis point where the crazies uh, can threaten to shut down the government because they don't want the debt ceiling increase. They want us uh, to f- to fail to be able to pay back our loans. Uh, they want the they want that economy to collapse and for us to lose our credibility in the worldwide markets. Uh, fix the debt ceiling once and for all, so it automatically just adjust, and there is no uh, limit, if you will, that um, that's going to cause the the uh, our our credit uh, cre- credit worthiness to collapse. Uh, And Donald Trump yesterday, this is something that the conservatives hate, this idea. Donald Trump said yesterday, yeah, there are a lot of good reasons for maybe getting rid of it.
4: It could be discussed. For many years, people have been talking about uh, getting rid of debt ceiling altogether, and there are a lot of good reasons to do that.
1: There you go. A lot of good reasons to do it. So uh, there are some deals in the making here, Uh, at which point I think we ought to exercise a word of caution. And uh, I'm not telling Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer anything they don't already know, which is be careful with Donald Trump, because we have seen how he can turn on you on a dime. He can turn on his fellow Republicans. He can turn on Democrats. He can turn on his allies. He can turn on his own attorney general overnight, not even overnight. doesn't take him long. So uh, dealing with Donald Trump is like, Dealing with Lucy and the football—that's
3: you know? a—that's a, a pretty good point there. yeah. It,
1: it really is. So I would just say cuidado, right? Cuidado uh, when you're dealing with Donald Trump. But in the meantime, mm, make as much uh, make as much hay as you can while the sun while the sun is shining. Uh, yes, indeed. A few other things that uh, caught our attention as well. Donnie Jr. Yesterday, how about it? Donnie Jr. in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee behind closed doors, of course, for five hours uh, talking about the big meeting that uh, he held. He hosted at Trump Tower uh, last June 16 with representatives uh, from from the Kremlin people, attorney and attorney and others with cre- and businessmen with Kremlin ties who set up this who asked for this meeting allegedly because they had the dirt. On Hillary Clinton. Uh, originally, when the news of this meeting uh, leaked out uh, by the New York was leaked out by the New York was leaked to the New York Times, uh, the White House told the New York Times and the rest of the world that oh, this was nothing. This was just a meeting to talk about adoption procedures. It turns out that was a big lie. Robert Mueller is now investigating. Who are the White House staff who wrote that memo, that statement response to the New York Times? Was the president himself involved in it? If, if so, that could be obstruction of justice. But Donald Trump Jr. did tell the, uh, the Senate, according to leaks from the meeting yesterday, uh, the hearing yesterday, uh, that Donald Trump Jr. did admit that he held the meeting. He agreed to the meeting because he wanted to find out this dirt on Hillary Clinton. He thought it was important, he said, to learn uh, information that would prove she was unfit to be president. Notice, Donald Trump Jr. getting information on Hillary Clinton about how fit she is to be president, not from the Republican National Committee, not from any Republican governor, any Republican senators, from the Kremlin, from Russia, and trusting that information. He insisted, we're told, that he did not tell his father about the meeting before or after. I don't believe that for a second. He also insists that he did not take those representatives at Trump Tower to meet his father uh, after uh, he had met with them. Uh, there may be public, uh, public testimony later, but after the uh, private testimony yesterday, Senator Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut says, man, we didn't get all the answers. All we got were even more questions. He needs to come before the Judiciary Committee in public, under oath, answer many of these same questions. Because today he raised questions as well as answering, in fact, raised
3: more questions perhaps than he answered.
1: And Senator Chris Coons from Delaware pointing out that this, uh, the statement, again, from the White House, the official White House statement to the New York Times, lying about the what meeting was about, is something that um, they're really focusing on
7: characterizing in public a meeting that is obviously the subject of intense interest. And if the
3: characterization of that meeting was done to throw the press and the public off the scent, that's
1: obstruction. That is obstruction. Meanwhile, on the administration front, this is, this is so bizarre, I think, weird and troubling. The, uh, probably the most incompetent member of the president's cabinet, and boy, that's saying something, uh, is Betsy DeVos, the education secretary who went to George Mason University right across the river here from uh, Washington, D.C. yesterday, uh, and said, in addition to all the Obama moves that we're going to roll back, the Paris Accords, trade with Cuba, national monuments, uh, DACA, the Dreamers, uh, we're also going to roll back what the the president, President Obama, uh, some new rules that he put in place on sexual assault on campus or campus rape. Uh, new rules applying to tri- Title IX saying that um, basically saying that campus schools, universities, colleges, universities were not doing a good enough job protecting victims of rape and um, following up on allegations, following up on cases, pursuing these cases. They were letting um, the perpetrators, alleged perpetrators, off the hook too easily, uh, and so there they shifted, if you will, the, um, the 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 effect of the law to help the victim, not the alleged rapist. Betsy DeVos said that was a wrong move. We're going to revisit this. We not just review it. We are already, she told reporters yesterday. Um, we're already in the process of rewriting uh, these rules uh, to basically make it easier for the rapists to get away with it. I mean, why? Why? This this is like this is the same administration, right? That said, well, there are a lot of very fine people among those skinheads and white supremacists, and now it's Betsy DeVos basically saying there are a lot of very fine people among those rapists, and we're being too tough on them, and we got to make it. We got to make it harder for the victims to make their case. We're not going to help the victims. We're going to help the rapist. It's just—it's unbelievable that they could take this position. Uh, but she did it yesterday.
3: Well, they use statistics like, "Oh, you know, one in four women um, report sexual assault, campus rape." Oh, that's too many. That's yeah, too many. Too there many. must be must mm-hmm. be something going on here. It's got to be the accusers who we've got to watch out for.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, she is getting a lot of criticism for it, rightfully so. Meanwhile, Steve Bannon, yes, indeed, Steve Bannon, uh, former chief strategist for the White House, giving his first interview. Uh, for 60 minutes, the entire interview will air uh, this Sunday evening. Uh, Charlie Rose did the interview. Uh, Steve Bannon said very interesting things. He, uh, he called himself and uh, the president were just the reason we get along for Street Fighters. Yeah, here he is. I'm a street
6: fighter. That's what I am.
2: You're more than that.
6: No, I think I'm I think I'm think a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a street fighter. And by the way, I think that's why Donald Trump and I get along so well. Donald Trump's a fighter, great counterpuncher, great counterpuncher. He's a fighter.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. And how about that DACA plan that the president announced? Uh, is that something that Steve Bannon would want the president to do, uh, overturn the DACA program? Steve Bannon, surprisingly, maybe says, nope, disagree. Okay,
6: Okay, I don't agree with that decision, but I understand how he struggled with it. I understand how he's giving a possibility of a legislative thing, and he said even last night in a tweet, even in a tweet, he would rethink it. Trust me, the guys on the far right, the guys on the conservative side, are not happy with
1: this. So why, uh, Steve Bannon has asked, why does the Catholic Church, why does the Catholic Church come out in opposition uh, to the cancellation of the Dreamers program, particularly... Uh, Cardinal uh, Timothy Dolan from New York.
6: The Catholic Church has been terrible about this. Okay, the, the bishops have been terrible about this. By the way, you know why? You know why? Because unable to really uh, to, to 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 come to grips with the problems in the church, they need illegal aliens. They need illegal aliens to fill the churches. That's uh, it's obvious on the face of it. That's that, what that's what the entire Catholic bishops condemning. They have an that, economic interest. They have an is, economic interest in unlimited.
1: There it is. yep he's saying follow the money the churches are empty the only way they can fill up the churches is to pack in the uh, undocumented uh, um, um, people who are here uh undocumented immigrants and so therefore that's why the Catholic Church is supporting them Timothy Dolan yesterday on Sirius XM said basically BS uh, his eminence uh, Cardinal Dolan uh no this we're doing we're treating these people because that's what that's what the Bible tells us That's what America tells us. That's how we should behave.
2: To treat the immigrant with dignity and respect, to make sure that society is just in its treatment of the immigrant is biblical mandate. It's clear in the Old Testament. My Jewish neighbors remind me of that all the time.
1: And it's certainly clear in the New Testament as well. DACA is just one of the big issues in front of this Congress, and... uh, a good congresswoman from Illinois, Illinois's 9th District Congresswoman, Jan Schakowsky, joins us right now after a quick break here on the Bill Press Show. Stay with us again. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show.
5: I was very proud of uh, uh, the Senate, Senate Democratic Leader, Chuck Schumer. He, he could speak New York to the president.
2: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at YouTube.com slash the Bill Press Show.
1: Here we go now on a Friday, Friday, September 8th. How about it? Yes, it is the, the Bill Press Show booming out to you live all across this great land of ours, from our studio here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol, where we are brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America. Uh, The good men and women of the Laborers Union under President Terry O'Sullivan has told me the other day uh, that the Laborers are bigger than ever. They've had the most successful organizing drive in the history of the union. Uh, It's great to know that uh, these uh, construction workers are uh, covered now with good benefits, uh, good health care plan, good vacation benefits, good retirement benefits for joining the union. You can check out. Uh, their website at LiUNA, L-I-U-N-A, org, And for all of you joining us in the greater Chicago area, a special treat for you today, one of your own, our good friend, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky, joining us here in studio. Congresswoman, always good to see you.
7: It's a pleasure to be with you, Bill. Thank,
1: thank you so much. And um, I'll tell you, um, it was news to me what... Uh, the Speaker Paul Ryan yesterday said we sort of view this Congress as not achieving a whole lot and most of the uh, Democratic members like yourself that we've had come in have, have talked about how they keep waiting for you know s- something important to happen right on the part of this Congress. If you listen to Paul Ryan
0: yesterday, I didn't realize how um, successful you have been. Here he is. We've actually passed more bills in the House for the President and his agenda. In this first six months of his administration, than in the first six months of Obama, Clinton, and both Bushes, the House has passed 316 bills. That's a record pace. Now, it's 260 of them are still in the Senate. The Senate's busy working on judges and appointees and the rest. But the House has been extremely productive, not just extremely productive. The House has been more productive than any Congress in the modern era.
1: More productive than any Congress in the modern era, which I guess means he's the best speaker in the modern era. Well,
7: you know, we're What's se- the truth here, Congresswoman? You know, the, the, the House is is passing bills, a lot of which are going to stop right there. You know, they're going to send them over to the uh, the Senate and they're going to be uh, disappeared. Um, so, you know, it does They're kind take, of message bills, right? Ha- is that what they're... Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Speaker understands that it takes the House and the Senate... <laughs> In order to consider yourself successful and get it to the 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 president's desk, but I do want to say that on the uh, on the other hand, the um, Congress, the House of Representatives, has relentlessly gone through a lot of the environmental bills, a lot of the 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 legislation that we passed under Obama, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and have rolled them back. Um, they they call it uh, you know getting getting rid of uh, regulations. I call it protections, hard fought protections. The House is determined to undo those. And and you know I I think the whole strategy of the president I figured it out. On his desk he has a really big piece of paper. At the top it says Obama, mm-hmm. and then underneath are just listed all the things that 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 Obama has done. And a red pen next to it, and regardless of content or consequences, they're just going through and scratching it out. They, I think, the president, and um, I think Paul Ryan is his right hand person, wants to obliterate anything that the Obama administration has accomplished for Americans.
1: We were told at one point, um, those of us uh, you know, recovering the White House, that they actually have a whiteboard with that, you know, with the. A- Basically everything Obama did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm right. Oh, yeah, a right. No. and
7: then you can just take it and erase the things as as you go along. It it it's it, so you know. Yesterday, they uh, eliminated a regulation to protect victims of sexual assault. I
1: was just going to ask you camp, about that. On, on campus. On campus. Yeah. Think of
7: that. Um, that and, and in fact, the person in charge of that has said that. Well, you know, girls. Um, Uh, then uh, have a second thought when they accuse someone of rape or sexual assault on campus that really they were probably drunk and then had second thoughts that they they, they want to accuse the, you know, that the the, the, the accused Mm -hmm. are the victims somehow. Right, Right. yeah I mean, really?
1: Flipping it right on its head, yeah.
7: You know, and women have, and and girls have experienced that for decades, and finally— in the Obama administration, we did offer some new protections for them.
1: Right. You know, this to me is uh, on a par, and I wanted to ask you about that. With the so here we have Betsy DeVos on, on, on representing the president, saying that Obama was too good to the victims. Now we have to tilt the table back in support of the at least alleged rapist, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Now, this this is also a president who said, you know, you look at Charlottesville, among those people who were chanting, Jews will not replace us. There were some very fine people among that crowd. Uh, you know, as an American Jew yourself, how do you react to that?
7: I, you know, obviously, I took that really personally. Are you telling me that now in the White House, we have someone who has deliberately emboldened Nazis, white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan. And quite naturally, since that happened, there has been mm-hmm. a significant uptick in anti-Semitic actions around the country. And I'm sure that those fine people believe that they have, that the president has their back. It's unimaginable that that would ever happen, that it wasn't obvious that he had to condemn those actions, not be convinced, not being persuaded to do that, you know, and and I think he was really pissed off when his uh, some advisor said, "You you you better yep. say that you know that you right. didn't support that." And finally, he had to come out and say, yes, well, both sides, all sides, um, are, you know, there were very fine people. And all they were really trying to do was to protect our culture and our heritage by opposing um, the removal of a statue from the Civil War supporting slavery.
1: Right. That moral equivalency he was putting out there, right? It's between just shocking. Yeah, yeah. The people, the nonviolent protesters and the skinheads and the KKK and the white supremacists and the anti-Semites, right? Right. Morally, good people on both sides. Isn't it
7: pretty easy to get up and say, um, "I I oppose white supremacists and and Nazis." I mean,
1: yeah, you would think even Mitch McConnell said, "There's there are no good Nazis or no, there are no good KKK no. members," right? right? I mean, that's that, that, <laughs> that doesn't take a lot of courage, no, to make no, political no, no, courage no, no, to make that to make that statement. Um, the one the one cabinet member who. Um, um, maybe the the most criticism was uh, Gary Cohn, uh, his chief economic advisor. He's still Jewish. there, Joyce.
7: Right, still there. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, 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 I that's the other thing. I don't should understand. he resign? Absolutely, he should resign. He did express some concern about that, but he is stuck with this president. What is his self interest in 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 staying there? I don't understand. And of course, we think Steve Miller ought to get be thrown out of the White House as, as well. You know, we got um, rid of Gorka and uh, Bannon, um, but, but Steve Miller, Steve Miller and, yeah. and Gary Connolly, they're there.
1: So uh, a couple of days ago, um, Donald Trump surprised uh, everybody, particularly surprised Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, uh, in the Oval Office, in a meeting with the bipartisan leadership of both houses by uh, making a deal with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, right? The three-month extension, uh, keep the government running, raise the debt ceiling, and um, and funding for to take care of Hurricane Harvey. Good deal?
7: Well, you know, Nancy Pelosi um, uh, explained to the caucus the scenario uh, at, yeah, the, at the White House, yeah. which was just great. So Secretary of the Treasury Mnuchin says, oh, no, the market's really require that they have the stability of right. some sort of a long-term, yeah. 18 months. You know, oh, eight, That's right. They started 18. Yeah, eight, 18 months, which just magically, by the way, is two days after the 2018 election. Okay. So, but okay. they have to have the stability. Yeah. So, so Nancy Pelosi says to him, you know, I understand that you know about Wall Street. You know about the markets. And then she said, she looks at the president. She says, but you know, here... The coin of the realm, votes. If you have 218 votes for that, then you've got it. If you don't, and she holds up three fingers, it's three months. And they kept making arguments, and she said, have the votes, do it. Otherwise, holding up her three fingers, it's three months. And that's a pretty compelling argument because they did not have the votes on their own, the Republicans, to go for another 18 months. And why
1: would we? Well, you know, in a situation like that, there's nobody better than Nancy Pelosi.
7: I mean, she is tough. Yeah, she's not intimidated as the only woman real at mm-hmm. the at the table there um, to to take them all on. And of course, it's absolutely true.
1: And the president said, "All right, you got a deal, right?" He
7: finally said, "It's going to be three months," and yeah, <laughs> that was that. that Thank was you very that.
4: much, Nancy. Chuck, appreciate it very
1: much. <laughs> And then the only people that he thanked after the meeting, right, Chuck and Nancy. Yesterday yeah. morning, he calls Nancy and says, Did you see the news, the cable TV? They all love this deal. Yeah,
7: yeah. And, and, and and in that conversation, too, she made it clear to send a message to the dreamers because, really, that's that's the the, the one huge loose end that mm, hasn't right. been fixed. And, and, and it's just terrible. I mean, yeah. I have a, a district that people are— Terrified, well, so he okay. so he sent out he sent out and he says, "Well, what do you want me to do?" She says, "You need to do what you do." Yeah, here the she. The way you do it,
1: right? Here she is. Uh, this is uh, leader Pelosi uh, talking about her telephone call yesterday with the president, where she said, "You got to send out a tweet." I mean,
5: when he called this morning, I said, "Thanks for calling." This is what we need. People really need a reassurance from from you, Mr. President. That um, uh, the six-month period is not a period of roundup, and he did
7: it right, right. I, and the, with the way she put <laughs> it, she said she didn't say. It's another tweet. She said, "Do do it. Do what you do. Oh, do what and, you and, do. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and communicate um, that uh, they are not going to be in danger of, of deportation. Everyone is afraid right now. On the uh, Right.
1: It's, so, so that, that you get right to the 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 next question. A lot of people are asking is, could this deal on the the, the three items together that passed the Senate yesterday? By the right. way, within twenty four hours of that Oval Office meeting, so they they can get things done fast in when one, they want
7: to. In one vote, by the way, they they combined both the debt yep. ceiling, the mm-hmm. CR, and yeah. uh, help for hurricane victims in one in, in one vote. vote.
1: Could this deal lead to other deals like DACA, for example? And we're,
7: me- we're absolutely not giving up on that this month. We're not waiting till the end of the, of the three months. months or the six months to to fight for that. And so we are looking for must-pass bills that we can attach it to. We're looking at discharge petitions, going after some of the Republicans who have expressed support. That would include the speaker, by the way. Um, to 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 help us move that now,
1: right? Would you so you would see either a standalone bill or uh, attaching it to another bill, which would um, what legalize the pro officially make it a legal program? Is We'd that- like to
7: pass the Dream Act.
1: The Dream Act, yeah. We'd like which to pass
7: is- the Dream Act, which you know the House of Representatives, when we had we were in charge, actually did pass it. Um, It was a 2010 or 11. Right. um, And the and the Senate wasn't able to do that required 60 votes.
1: Right. And sadly, uh, some Democrats didn't didn't in the Senate did not vote for it at the time. But right. But it's been around for 16 years. uh, Thanks to your colleague, uh, Senator Dick Durbin,
7: who came to our caucus yesterday and and talked about the urgency of moving it. Yes.
1: Yes. uh, tell us about the, I mean, the people in your district, I mean, th- this uncertainty now suddenly, right that that envelops them all.
7: You know, we have to answer the question, How is the United States of America better if we take away our we have students now that want that are studying to be doctors and and, and lawyers and employers, They are employers mm-hmm. right now. Monica in in my district is a nurse caring for people. How are we better if those people are deported from the United States of America? People who have, some who have never, have no recollection of the country that they were born in, brought at no decision of their own with their parents. I mean, it's it's astonishing, really, that we we would take some of the best of the best and say those people have to go. Eight hundred thousand strong in our country right now, contributing to making us better. There are economic consequences that are devastating if we were to deport those people. This is not going to happen, but it what it does is create this enormous fear, this uh, the, the, this feeling of you know. Constant fear, I mean, sure, terror right. in families, ripping families apart. It, 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 it's inexplicable. I'm a first generation uh, American, and you know the the president's policies that say they want educated people, people with money, people who speak English. My family wouldn't have made the cut, right? Um, yeah. Absolutely not. Coming and escaping in their case, pogroms in in in, in Russia. Um, But, you know, obviously people fleeing the the Holocaust, many of them wouldn't make the cut to come to this. We are immigrants. This is who we are as Americans.
1: No, that's the other side of the Trump thing. Yeah. On the one hand. He's out after people who came here illegally. He's also out, out after people who came here illegally and wants to change the rules, as you point out. The so-called merit-based immigration. Exactly. That if you don't already have money, don't already have a degree, don't already speak English, you go to the end of the line, right? I mean, how many of here. our ancestors would have been able to make it?
7: I, I, few. I mean, and, and, and that's the, the message on the statue. Of right. liberty oh, to to oh, yeah. to welcome people, oh. and, you know. I I don't know. My oh, parents, Steve
1: Miller says that. I know that statue is misunderstood. Right? Yeah, it doesn't stand for what we've always thought that it stood for. Exactly. Right? Yeah, <laughs> God, oh. I'm telling you. Um, one non, well, I guess it does have a political connotation for sure. But uh, outside of politics, you have been very outspoken on the uh, NFL, which the season starts this weekend, right? That does started yeah. last night, right? Last night. Um, So how much progress has the NFL made on this very serious problem of um, so many players suffering brain damage, concussions?
7: Yeah, not not enough. Um, In in fact, the NFL, which committed a whole bunch of money to the National Institutes of Health, um, has not come up with all the money because they wanted to control who did the studies and ended up wanting to appoint someone who has been very kind to them. Now here's the issue: um, chronic traumatic more? encephalopathy um, is a um, is brain damage. That recent studies showed that 110 out of 111 brains that were donated yeah. clearly right. people who <clears throat> who showed symptoms um, had CTE. What is that? It is sub concussive, repetitive hits
4: mm-hmm. of the
7: brain against the skull. This, so this is not about helmets. This is about the game of football where you're constantly having these um, the, this contact over and over and over. And even some of the high school players who have died, you can only at this point do the research after the person is deceased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and co- high school and college football players have shown this disease. And it's, it's debilitating. It's a it's, uh, uh, brain disease. It causes some symptoms that look even like Alzheimer's, um, uh, inexplicable kind of violence. Um, and and uh, even we think that some of the domestic violence that you see in uh, football households can be caused in part by this this CTE. Um, We want full cooperation. But I'll I'll tell you, um, I don't know what the future of football is because a lot of parents now are saying they don't want their kids kids. to to play football. If there is no youth sports, you don't have professional sports. If there's no high school and and college football, you don't have an NFL. Um, And... You know, so we need their help. Maybe there are ways that we could um, eliminate, or cure, or um, you know, ameliorate anyway, um, CTE. And we need full, full-throated support for the um, the research. So it's not a, a it's not a question
1: of better helmets or better protective gear. We
7: don't we don't think so. Um, but may, maybe there is some way. Maybe there are ways that you could even change the sport a bit. They are changing youth sports to um, pre- prevent um, hitting people with your head and, and with the, the, the helmet, changing some of some of the rules of the way the game is played. But if we don't have – and even the president has come out and, and suggested – that, you know, we, you know, we don't want to be soft, that this is a, a game of, uh, a, of toughness. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. The, you know, we need to be tough. What I didn't realize when I got the NFL to admit the fact that there was this connection between CTE and football a few years ago, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry. Oh, yeah. Um, but we're also talking about culture. In small towns, even bigger towns around this country, high school football is the name of the game. People buy season tickets mm. to the high, high school, school football right. game. This is the um, you know these are heroes in the in in the community. Um, college sports, look at it, it's funding universities across this country. Um, mm-hmm. Football is very lucrative. Sure. Um, and then of course you know professional football. It it's it's a fortune that that's made
1: right, uh, and for for a long time they were just living in denial. I mean, yeah.
7: and, and some still are. Um, Jerry Jones, the uh, uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. You know, this, you got to be tough, and you know, don't want to be wimps, and blah blah blah. Um, and, and, you know, I think even now there's this feeling that, you know, this is a, a, a game, um, you know, you, you go out there, you're tough. By the way, the other issue that's going on right now is that we, there are allegations, at least, that trainers, not doctors, before games are handing out strong painkillers to the no. players so that yeah. they go out and don't feel the kind of pain and trauma that they experience on the field.
1: Which could lead to even more contact, right? Because, yeah.
3: And, you know, over the summer, Tom Brady's wife, Giselle, who we all know, supermodel, uh, said in an interview that her husband has had concussions in the past but has stayed in the game. Uh, The NFL just completed a study, with air quotes, I should say, uh, that concluded that Brady never had a concussion. Frankly, I don't believe that. I I think Giselle is right. She knows her husband. He comes home at the end of the day to her. And it's very likely that he's had a concussion or two that has been unreported and untreated. Hard to believe that he would not have, with all the years he's played, right? Or that anybody.
1: Well,
7: you know, have. and the the average uh, time in the NFL is about three years. Um, uh, it's it's really not it's not really? long yeah, yeah it's not long term. You know, this oh, is a, a very hard on, on the on, mm-hmm. on the body, um, and uh, I- even in that time, though a number of these players later in life are experiencing things that the NFL doesn't really want to take responsibility yeah. for.
1: We just have about a minute, but I have to ask you, I did see that in Chicago over Labor Day, uh, they had there was an improvement in the level of violence still too many people killed. But that is, do we see making some progress in Chicago on the streets of Chicago? Well,
7: I certainly hope so. You know, it's it's one of the reasons that we've got to both, um, one, do something about the availability of guns, and we're surrounded by states where it's mm-hmm. really easy to get a gun. And number two, we need to um, uh, really invest in communities where youth um, are, you know, feeling hopeless and. You know, this is more than just about the about the guns. It's about community development, and you see the president and the Republican budgets want to cut all that oh, yeah, money.
1: Slash sure. that money, but um, but that was a good sign at least until yes, that trend continues. Congresswoman, it's so good to see you. Thank you're you. active on so many fronts. It's just great. Thanks for the great job you're doing, and for coming in this morning. Uh, and uh, you're lucky out in the Chicago area to have her representing you. When we come back, Alexia McCammond is going to join us. I'm sorry. From Axios. We'll be right this back. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to The Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: What do you say? Here we are on a Friday, Friday, September 8th. It is The the Bill Press Show. Thank you so much for being with us. As we wrap up the week with all the news of the week, it has been a busy week, uh, tracking uh, hurricanes most of the week, and that continues Today and into the weekend, now we have an earthquake on top of that. Um, Mother Nature um, sounding off here, making sure we know she is still there. The Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Uh, and uh, here a squeeze between two uh, Democratic members of Congress. Uh, we just uh, spoke with Congresswoman Jan Sierkowski from, uh, from Illinois, the 9th District of Illinois, Congressman John Yarmuth uh, from Kentucky's 3rd District will be joining us in just about a half an hour, uh, and in between, here as a friend of Bill for the entire hour, from Axios, Alexi McCammond. Alexi, nice to see you.
8: Hi, good to see you. Happy Friday. Uh,
1: Happy Friday. These are busy days, huh?
8: Oh, pretty quiet.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Nothing has
8: been happening this week. It's been insane.
1: It has. It's been kind of insane. Every single day, uh, more to talk about, and- uh, Yesterday, the big stories we'll be following here and discussing with Alexi. So, yes, the update on Hurricane Irma. Uh, that Senate deal, that deal, rather, that was uh, put together, cooked up in the Oval Office by Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer actually <laughs> passed the Senate yesterday. So it is alive and well and moving and most likely now will pass the House, even though the Freedom Caucus has come out against it. We'll jump into all of those stories and more. But
3: first,
2: this is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning, Bill. We begin with a topic we've already discussed quite a few times this week. I thought I'd get it in here just so that we uh, don't go too uh, far in here. Um, Bernie Sanders was asked last night on MSNBC what he thought of Hillary Clinton's comments about him in her new book, What happened? Uh, Clinton, of course, insinuates that Bernie stole many of her ideas Uh, from the book. This is a quote uh, from Hillary. We would promise a bold infrastructure investment plan or an ambitious new apprenticeship program for young people. And then Bernie would announce basically the same thing, but bigger. Bernie's response last night on Chris Hayes's program on MSNBC. The truth is, and really the story is, that the ideas that we brought forth during that campaign which was so crazy and so radical, have increasingly become mainstream. Bill, I think that's been your argument uh, ever since we began this debate earlier Uh, this week. I
1: I find it laugh-out-loud funny uh, (laughs) that Hillary Clinton would accuse Bernie Sanders of stealing her ideas uh, when, in fact, he was against the Keystone Pipeline, then she flipped to oppose the pipeline. He was against TPP. She was for it. She flipped to be against TPP. He was for the fifteen dollar minimum wage. She was for twelve until the very end, when she flipped and supported fifteen. Uh, I think the evidence is pretty clear. Uh, it's just the opposite of what Hillary says.
3: But if you thought this bickering over this particular topic within the party is over, uh, you were wrong. Moving on, uh,
1: I'm afraid it's not. I've been saying from the beginning. It's just what I don't like about it. it pisses me off that sure. Hillary wrote this book and is out with this message. We do not need to be re-fighting the primary battle. Of 2016. It is serves serves nobody, any purpose, except to sell books for Hillary Clinton.
3: To a lighter issue, lighter story here, the New England Patriots may have lost their season opener last night to the Kansas City Chiefs, 42-27. Wait, the
1: Patriots lost last night? Yeah, they lost. Oh, no. Jamie, what happened? I don't know. But here's a good moment from <laughs>
3: earlier in the day. You in- had your...
1: Switch a T-shirt Let on Let me just read the too. story, huh? Uh, no, no, I mean, yeah, you, were,
3: you were bragging yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was. Early on in the uh, day in Boston, a pregame event, they were giving away tickets to the game to some lucky fans who could answer some trivia questions. Ross Janowski, he won a pair of tickets. However, he did not take them for himself. He announced on stage he'd be giving his tickets to a Dreamer. He said, I'm giving the tickets oh. to Dreamers because they deserve to be in this country and they deserve to go to the game. He got a loud applause from the crowd.
1: Uh good for him giving those tickets to a, a dreamer. Uh, a little bit of good news there.
2: On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press show.
1: All right. Here we go. Hour number two of the Bill Press Show on this Friday, Friday, September 8. Hello, hello, everybody. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. We are coming to you from our nation's capital, which last time we checked was Washington, D.C. And we're here right in the heart of the action on Capitol Hill. We're so close to the U.S. Capitol building that uh, we can see them from here and they can hear us. From there, Uh, and we want to uh, bring you up to date on all the news of the day, which we will do on YouTube, first of all, YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, also on Free Speech TV, of course, and Coast to Coast, uh, we are there with you on on Free Speech, and out in the Chicago area on the great WCPT, the Progressive Voice of Chicago. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you about the news of the day. Of course, your comments welcome uh, on Twitter. Don't leave Twitter to Donald Trump. Use it yourself. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. And to help us through the news of the day, Alexi McCammond here from Axios. Alexi, how are you? Hey,
8: I'm good, how are you?
1: Uh, I want you to say hello to Jamie Benson.
8: Hi, Jamie Benson. Hi, Alexi. How's so it going? Do you, yep. Okay.
1: I just wanted to check that you, yes. you're Yes, Every once in a while, do a little technical had check. A
3: little, had a little tech technical
8: problem tech check, there. Wanted yeah. to make
3: sure it was all fixed.
8: All good. Thank you, guys.
3: By the way, Bill, I think this might be a good time to uh, get in a Peter Ogburn update.
8: You know what? Yes.
3: Perfect time.
1: Um, we have some very good news to report on the Peter Ogburn front, whom, as you know, had open heart surgery uh, less than two weeks ago. Sunday will be two weeks, uh, and he has been making an incredible recovery. Uh,
3: We've been there with him every step of the way, and yesterday, Jamie, Peter Ogburn is officially at home with his kids, his wife, and all of his pets. Yes, Mm -hmm. he's resting comfortably at home,
1: out of the hospital. That's amazing. Real, really amazing. You know they. Everybody said, no, you're going to be here, dude, for a long time, and then we're going to move you to this rehab hospital, and it's going to be hospital, hospital, hospital. Uh, And he he, uh, bounced back so strongly that his doctor said, no, you can go home. Uh, No, he's not out of the woods yet. He's got a lot of
3: rehab still to do, but he'll be doing that from home. Here's the thing. He has not tweeted yet this morning, which Uh makes me think Uh that he actually had a full night of sleep last night. Uh, at home, since he wasn't in the hospital anymore. He'd been waking up at like 5 or 6 a.m. watching the show, tweeting, <laughs> telling people to watch, but I think he may still be asleep, so that's a good thing.
8: That is that's
1: good. A, that's a good sign, and it's great <laughs> that um, that he is his home where he'll be surrounded with uh, lots of love and great care, as he also had in the hospital as well. Right. So, Alexia, what do you think? Uh, we've got um, Steve Bannon suddenly speaking oh, out that interview. And his first interview right. uh, since he left uh, the White House. Uh, and he took advantage of this interview to uh, bash the Catholic Church, right?
8: Right, um, saying yeah. they needed illegal immigrants. He referred to them as illegal aliens to fill right. the pews.
1: Right. Uh, so here, uh, here he is. First, he did say that he disagreed with, first of all, he disagreed with the president's decision, which surprises me. To end the program. Here he is. Okay, I don't
6: agree with that decision, but I understand how he struggled with it. I understand how he's giving a possibility of a legislative thing. And he said even last night in a tweet, even a tweet, he would rethink it. Trust me, the guys on the far right, the guys on the conservative side, are not happy with this.
1: Mm, Yeah, to say the least, right? Right. But now to your point, well, uh, Charlie Rose, who conducted the interview for 60 Minutes, and by the way, the entire interview will be broadcast on 60 minutes. Tomorrow, uh, Sunday evening on CBS. Um, so Charlie says, well, what about the Catholic Church? I mean, Tim Dolan, Timothy Dolan, the Cardinal of New York, has come out and said this was a really big, ro- the wrong thing for Donald Trump to do. Um, Steve Bannon says, well, we know what motivates them.
6: The Catholic Church has been terrible about this. Okay, fair the, the bishops have been terrible about this. By the way, you know why? You know why? Because unable to really to, 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 to come to grips with the problems in the church, they need illegal aliens. They need illegal aliens to fill the churches. That's, uh, it's obvious on the face of it. That's what, that's what the entire Catholic bishops condemning. They have an economic interest. They have an economic interest in unlimited immigration.
8: Yeah. How do you get from point A to point B in Steve Bannon's mind? How do you go from the scandals and the problems, whatever he's referring to with problems, which is ambiguous, of the Catholic Church to saying, well, they rely on illegal immigrants to fill the pews? Uh,
1: no, I, no. I don't see I a don't, connection. I don't get it. And we should point out that Steve Bannon is a Catholic, right? And he was right. bashing his own church and saying right. that their their view on immigration. Uh, Cardinal Dolan said yesterday on, on a, in an interview on XM. well, we'll let him him speak, that, you know, there's a reason— And if you listen to what the Pope says, too, there's a reason the church reaches out, right, Right. to help immigrants.
2: To treat the immigrant with dignity and respect, to make sure that society is just in its treatment of the immigrant, is biblical mandate. It's clear in the Old Testament. My Jewish neighbors remind me of that all the time.
3: Yes, and it's clear certainly. It's another
2: little subtle dig at Bannon, by the way.
3: My Jewish neighbors remind me all the time. yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's true, certainly, in the New Testament, right? right? Right, That That is why why I've disagreed as a Catholic with the Catholic Church on many policy issues, particularly when it comes to women's reproductive rights. Right. Uh, on immigration, they've always been good and strong because it really is a, the classic case of helping the dispossessed. I mean, that's what right. Jesus was all about, right? Right. There's no doubt where Jesus would be
8: on this DACA program. Right. And what's also interesting is this these clips from the 60 Minutes interview give the public a view into Steve Bannon's thinking and reasoning, which we didn't really have from his mouth before. And it's wild now just thinking about him whispering in the president's ear for the entire time he was in the White House, making Mm. these connections that weren't there based on his emotions and his personal views and and how he could convince Trump of those things that seemingly don't make sense. Right. Now that we're hearing them.
1: So um, Steve Bannon is gone. Right. Sebastian Gorka is gone. <laughs> Who even <right>? was he? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, Steve Miller is still there, right? He I guess uh, who's the next head to roll? I mean, John Kelly seems to be cleaning house.
8: Right. Right. Of,
1: of some of these extreme right wingers.
8: Right. I feel like at this point, there's no telling, though it has been speculated that it would be Stephen Miller, given his proximity to Steve Bannon. Um Which could be interesting, but I think there's no signs right now that he's the next one. But at the same time, like, we don't really know. Uh, Right. At the same time, it it
1: does seem to be, uh, we're we're told, Steve Miller is the uh, architect of the DACA decision.
8: Right. Right. And well, so I think what will be interesting... Former chief
1: aide to Jeff Sessions, who announced the DACA decision.
8: Right. Right. And so what will be interesting is the backlash, the fallout from Trump's DACA decision, which he seems to be backing himself into a corner because now everyone's looking at him like he's a cold-hearted jerk. So he's backing himself into a corner and is going Mm -hmm. to have to, we think, at Axios, eventually sign into law protections for Dreamers because of the way he gave up leverage before negotiations could have even started and the way that this was announced and the way that everyone is viewing it now. I mean, when even Steve Bannon is saying that he disagrees with this decision, Trump's going to have to do something that is contrary to just ending the program in six months.
1: Right. So would that mean um, making uh, another, a second, yet another deal with Chuck (laughs) Schumer and Nancy Pelosi?
8: Right. Right. I certainly think so. I think that, you know, giving Congress six months to decide what they're going to do with it or how they're going to amend this DACA program is one thing. But at the end of those six months, Trump's going to have to make another deal with Democrats I think Republicans are losing trust in him. They will become increasingly less interested in working with him. And he's realizing that he can sort of rise as this, like, populist president who rises above partisanship to make deals, which he did with Pelosi and Schumer earlier this week. And that was a good thing for him in some respects. So in six months with this DACA decision, I think we can see a similar thing happening.
1: Right. Uh, Now, you, I think, were one of the first to report about um – Uh, The reaction to this deal, Donald Trump was very, very excited when he turns on the television and everybody is saying good things about him for a change. Why? Because he made this deal with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. So, of course, what does he do? He picks up the phone yesterday morning, right? Mm -hmm. You take it from there.
8: Right. And he's on the phone with uh, Pelosi. And she basically asked him to tweet A message to dreamers saying you have nothing to worry about in these next six months. You're not going to suddenly be deported. And he did it, which the deal in and of itself. Right. Trump breaking with Republicans, striking a deal with Democratic leadership is shocking. Pelosi then essentially dictating a Donald Trump tweet over the phone and him going through on it is more shocking. Right. It's incredible and mind blowing.
1: She talked about this yesterday uh, about this call. Uh, and telling him uh, and as congresswoman Jan Schakowsky told us said just a little while ago um in in explaining this to the caucus uh, the, uh, leader Pelosi said I told the president do what you he said so what should I do and she said do what you do
5: <laughs> right
1: do what you do here right. she, here she is
5: when he called this morning I said thanks for calling this is what we need people really need a reassurance from From you, Mr. President, that um, uh, the six-month period is not a period of roundup. (laughs) And so he did it.
8: And he did it. Right. I mean, that was one of the first times, I think, that Donald Trump's Twitter account was used for something good. And that, (laughs) like, which, like, the message itself is still confusing because there's speculation about how the administration will actually move forward in these next six months. But it's incredible. And... I think what's surprising to a lot of people is that he would listen to her, mm-hmm. right? When he slammed Pelosi, he slammed Schumer, and now he's working Chuck. at them. Crying Chuck. And now he's siding with them. And she has this position of power such that she can dictate his tweet for the day right. on an issue that everyone is watching. And she leveraged his however many million followers to get a message of her own and of the Democrats out on the Republican president's Twitter account. So
1: why would Trump publicly break with his Republican leaders?
8: I think in that moment in the Oval Office, he went back to his roots and what he knows as like a real estate dealer. He made a deal. He saw an opportunity to to use his instincts and his impulses. He read the room. He saw that Democrats had thought through this and that it could be a potentially good thing for him to strike a bipartisan deal. Um, And, you know, in the real estate world, there aren't Republicans and Democrats. It's deals Mm -hmm. with business leaders. And I think he approached it in that way, which is, I think, one of the first times he's sort of done that. Um, And also, you know, he's been complaining about McConnell for weeks. He is unhappy with him. Paul Ryan, he you know has said various things that are negative about him in the past. So he's not exactly loyal to them, nor does he think they are loyal to him. And Chuck Schumer is interesting, too, because being from New York, he knew Trump before he was at this pinnacle of power. And I think there was a moment where Donald Trump impulsively acted on what he viewed as a business deal rather than a political negotiation. I think
1: that's a good read. Um, Leader Pelosi yesterday, too, uh, talked about this um Maybe not such, so, such a strange rapport uh, that Chuck Schumer and Donald Trump have. They speak the same language. Here she is.
5: I was very proud of uh, uh, the Senate, minority, uh, Senate Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer. He, he could speak New York to the president. I love that. It's a real but, uh, thing.
1: It is a real
8: thing. He could speak New York. Didn't right. Trump
3: praise Cuomo yesterday too on the uh, oh, issue with the subways? Or no, something about infrastructure with with the bridge in New York. He went out of his way to praise Cuomo as well. Oh, I didn't see Another that. New Yorker.
8: I, I maybe it's this situation where Trump is. Getting sick of DC and sick of you know the politics of being president, and he's missing his New York days.
3: He's getting nostalgic
1: for he's his hometown. He's getting nostalgic. Well, but uh, okay, so I think this is a good deal, great deal. If they can strike a deal on DACA, all the better. Right. Uh, in addition to that, is the third issue that they talked about, which is, and this is some, something that Chuck Schumer has been um, preaching for a long time. Correctly, I believe. Let's stop this every year going to the brink over the debt ceiling. Right. Let's just fix this debt ceiling so that right. it automatically just jumps up as it has to, right? Right. Uh, so that we don't yeah. we don't renege on our on our debts. Um, and Donald Trump, who's been like on many issues, on both sides of this issue, uh, yesterday he actually said, yeah, I think Chuck is right about this one too. Here, uh, here's the president.
4: You look at North Korea. You look at the hurricanes. No, you look at what's okay, going on well, in the Middle East.
1: That's why we made a deal. That's right. You could, but here it, it
4: could be discussed for many years. People have been talking about uh, getting rid of debt ceiling altogether, and there are a lot of good reasons to do that.
1: A lot of good reasons to do that. So the I, makings I, of yet another deal.
8: Another deal, right? Which is totally antithetical to what conservatives want to what Paul Ryan has said he wants and and it's just been a and week of Trump playing a democratic president
1: and it it puts Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell on the sidelines for sure
8: again further right. yes. which, which i think is you know so, somewhat strategic on trump's part
1: right uh the, the to, before we move on this, there there are i think some some pretty wise people out there though who are just issuing little warning signs right to Nancy Pelosi and to Chuck Schumer. Yeah, take advantage of it, get everything you can, right. but know that Donald Trump can turn on you like that. Oh my that. gosh,
8: I know. Right. I, well, he's a president he, of the see. moment, and moments only last so long. And right. he is someone who is like, obsessively fixated on short-term plans, and I think that's also part of why he made this deal, because not hey. only was Schumer able to speak New York to him, he spoke to Trump's... Ability to only sort of understand and think in the short term. And
1: to get something, something done. And to get something done. Right. So but he, a very we, small thing We've done. seen him turn against Mitch McConnell. We've seen him turn against Paul Ryan. We've seen him turn against Jeff Sessions. We've seen him turn against James Comey. No. So he could turn against easy. By tomorrow, oh, he could be trashing sure. Chuck Schumer again.
3: I want to add the follow-up to the, the Cuomo thing that I mentioned. So yeah, There, okay. there, there was right. a meeting yesterday at the White House on stalled infrastructure funding for transportation in New York and New Jersey Andrew Uh, Cuomo attended Chuck Schumer attended Chris Christie was there as mm, well mm. a source according to the New York Daily News said the president was very complimentary of Andrew he called him the governor the builder and kept saying how impressed he was by the Tappan Zee Bridge he said he wanted to work with him on one of the airports in New York I should also add that he made a joke Trump made a joke about Bob Menendez Trump said where's Menendez Christie replied he's busy. It was a real New York, New Jersey day at the White House yesterday. Yeah. Past couple days,
1: Got Gotta I'll say, uh, <laughs> I, I I could see that that Trump is he, in terms of comfort, personal comfort. He's much more comfortable in the presence of Chuck Schumer than Mitch McConnell. Definitely, he and Mitch McConnell are two totally different animals.
8: Right, and again, because Schumer, I think, represents that life before Trump became president, and it all goes back to the fact that. I still am not convinced that Trump ever really wanted to be president. He just liked the idea of winning, which I think was inspired by his bullish New York attitude. He, you know, is sort of a street fighter and will make these deals to get ahead and to be the one at the pinnacle of power. And that was the election. And now that he's actually in the White House surrounded by folks like McConnell, who are establishment folks, he realizes he gets along better.
1: Alexi McCammond here with us with the, from the great axios axios.com uh there's not only Mike Allen and Jim vandahy and uh, uh Jonathans Sw- no Jonathan, Swan. Jonathan Swan. Swan yeah Jonathan Swan right I got it right but Alexi McCammon uh you. leading up that that great site which has um, uh, just like Politico before it with Jim Vandahy's creation right, right right uh Axios I've been very very impressed with the impact that uh, and I'm so glad. Uh, that you're having, and also the great work that you're doing.
8: Thank you. I'm so glad it's been now, about six months. The site months is really,
1: really very impressive.
8: Yeah, so. I feel lucky to be there. And Mike and Jim know that you know they're true visionaries. They know things that I couldn't have even thought of, and I feel lucky to work with them. So it
1: is Axios.com, uh, and Alexis, Alexia, and I will be joined by Congressman John Yarmuth uh, at the half hour uh, from uh, Kentucky with more on. DACA and uh, what's happening uh, in the House. Meanwhile, uh, you not only keep close to the White House, you keep close to the political scene overall. Uh, And yesterday we saw something strange. We know that among um, probably 100 Democrats who are looking at maybe running in 2020 uh, is Congressman Tim Ryan. Right. uh, Who really made a name for himself uh, the first time, perhaps, when he challenged Leader Pelosi for the position seat. of leader. Uh, and while he didn't win, he did get more votes than anybody else who got against her. And, and so he's, he's a good friend of our program. We love him. Great. He's our frequent guest here. You see him now all over cable news. And now right. he's running around the country just going to <laughs> Iowa and New Hampshire just to make friends, right?
8: Right. He but says so, only to places he's been invited. Yes. And <laughs>
1: yesterday, uh, a progressive group actually came out. And ran an ad, that, as you've reported, mm-hmm. against Congressman uh, Tim Ryan. This is the group's Not One Penny, Move On, Indivisible, and the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. Uh, we're going to listen to the ad, but first, why did they run the ad? What, what's because- their beef with... Ryan?
8: His uh, position Uh on tax reform, they think, aligns more closely with what Republicans want for tax reform. So he has a focus on small business tax cuts and lowering the corporate tax rate to make us more globally competitive, which is sort of against what Democrats are saying.
1: So closer to where Donald Trump is, but not necessarily. Of course, all we know about Donald Trump is he wants to cut (laughs) the corporate rate tax cut from... 35 to 15. uh, And
8: Ryan has never said that. Tim Ryan has never said he supports the GOP tax reform plan. Uh, He's just maybe moving more to the center or to the right than his fellow Democrats. Uh, So
1: here's what these progressive uh, groups come up with. One penny, not worth much these days, right? But the richest 1% of Americans are worth hundreds of millions, even billions of these, while the rest of us are scraping pennies together just to make ends meet. So why is Congressman Tim Ryan helping Republicans in Congress to pass a tax bill that would give billions more to the richest? Okay, so we know why. The question is, why should we let them get away with it? Let Representative Ryan know, not one penny more, not one penny in tax cuts to millionaires, billionaires, and wealthy corporations. Now, we'll uh, give our good friend Tim Ryan a chance to come in and refute that uh, as soon as he can. But my question is, there isn't even a a bill, right? right? right. They're, they're, the Republicans haven't put up a bill. No. How can you attack somebody for supporting a bill when no bill has even been introduced?
8: Right. I think it's a little it's,
1: premature. No. It is.
8: And 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 I think like the damaging thing that they're trying to do is sort of align Tim Ryan with the GOP tax reform plan, which is just not the case. Again, he is like publicly said he doesn't support the GOP tax reform plan and that it needs to include more things for him to be able to even support it. But his views, again, are just deviating from the Democratic norms. And so I think these progressive groups are saying, you know, wait a minute, do not align with what you expect the GOP plan to be. Stick with us.
3: Yeah. Where's Uh, the Heidi Heitkamp attack ad? I mean, I think I know the answer to that, given that she's a moderate Dem and Democrats Probably don't want to mess with that. Right. But riding on Air Force One the other day and pretty much saying that she was on board or open to hearing more about Trump's tax reform plan. But, plus, right. yeah, I mean, uh, look, I certainly <laughs> am not ready to inhabit
1: and not endorsing anybody for 2020 yet, Jesus. But, uh, you know, I consider Tim Ryan uh, a good, strong progressive. And uh, I question the tactics of progressive organizations eating their own particularly this early. Um, Right. If down the road he or Elizabeth Warren or even Bernie Sanders were to do something that was really not progressive, then sure. But I'm not not sure.
8: Right. And I'm interested to to see, because I asked them, like, is it only Tim Ryan or will it be anyone else? And they said, moving forward, like, we will hold any members of Congress accountable who want to give tax breaks to millionaires in the same way that they are accusing Tim Ryan of doing. So there could potentially be more Democrats they go after, but I think the big thing about this is that they've gone after eight Republicans in the past, and Tim Ryan is the first Democrat that they're targeting with this attack ad. So I don't know. It's some weird sort of infighting among progressives and Democrats at large, but I think everyone's just up in arms about tax reform because we thought it was coming and it's not coming. And so everyone's trying to put forward their own views on tax reform before the plan comes out. Well,
1: we'll we'll, we'll find out more from uh, Congressman Yarmuth about that. But I mean, when you look at the, what's has on its plate, now Donald Trump has added DACA to an already crowded plate, crowded with at least the vision or the goals of tax reform and immigration reform and Infrastructure. If remember that word, which nobody <laughs> talks about anymore. Right. Right. Uh, plus right. keeping the government going, plus raising the debt ceiling.
8: It's I not going to happen this month. Tax <laughs> reform is not happening this month. I mean, especially considering he is making these like tax reform rallies once a week. Right. He did it in uh, in Height Camp State. He did it in Missouri. I think the week before, mm-hmm. and he's going to do that throughout the month. There's no way. Like that's just to get people, I think, excited about tax reform and what they think he will do. That's not putting forward a plan, right? And who's to know what's even going to happen with Gary Cohn, who's one of two top people who's supposedly working on tax reform, and like he's been saying, you know, things that would suggest he might not be and, at the White House. And very as long. we
1: point out every time um, that we discuss Donald Trump and tax reform, what we're really talking about is Donald Trump and tax, tax cuts. Cuts. Yeah, because that's his <laughs> definition of tax reform: right. Right. tax cuts. Right. For big corporations and for the millionaires and billionaires
8: right and he said as much
1: which once again tim ryan does not support right alexi uh, McCammon here with us i'll take a quick break uh and welcome uh our good friend um congressman john yarmouth from kentucky's third congressional district coming up stay with us we'll be right back
6: and you don't agree with it you have an obligation to resign. So Gary Gary Cohn should have resigned. Absolutely.
2: Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: Here we go now, The Bill Press Show, rolling right along here, wrapping up on a Friday, Friday, uh, September 8th. Thank you for joining us. It's good to have you with us as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, reaching out to you wherever you are in this great land of ours on YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On Free Speech TV, coast to coast, as well, and uh, out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters under the leadership of President Harold Schaeferger. America's men and women of our firefighting departments uh, nationwide on the front lines protecting American families, pardon me, every day. Uh, and certainly uh, did a great job as part of the uh, efforts for to help the victims of Hurricane Harvey and now Hurricane Irma. We salute them, thank them for their support of the program, direct you to their website, iaff.org. Alexi McCammond from Axios here with us in the studio the entire hour as a friend of Bill. Alexi. Thank you for having me. And we are joined now by uh, our good friend from Cong- Kentucky's 3rd Congressional District, Congressman John Yarmuth. Congressman, great to see you.
9: Bill, it's good to be here, as always.
1: Everything good?
9: Everything's good. The bourbon's still flowing. ah uh-huh. <laughs> Well, that's good.
1: Uh, I bought a <clears throat> bottle of Bullet the other day as a gift to Very a friend. Very good.
9: Very good, uh, yeah. I right, to tell you.
1: Uh, you know, of,
8: how to... do you take yours?
9: Oh, it depends. Uh, either just on the rocks or neat.
8: Okay. Yeah.
9: Good to know. Right. Right. <laughs> or occasionally in a Manhattan.
8: Yeah. I'm more of an old-fashioned person. Yeah, he's like old-fashioned. yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Now, I want to um, ask if we learned something new this morning from uh, Speaker Ryan that surprises me because when you've been here, Congressman, before and, and, and other of your colleagues from the Democratic side in the House uh, have complained about, you know, you're not really getting much. come here to Washington, and you really want to get some things done, but not much is happening. Right. That's not what Paul, that's not the way <laughs> Paul Ryan puts it. Here he
0: is yesterday about how
1: successful you have been.
0: We've actually passed more bills in the House for the President and his agenda in this first six months of his administration than in the first six months of Obama, Clinton, and both Bushes. The House has passed 316 bills. That's a record pace. Now, it's 260 of them are still in the Senate. The Senate's busy working on judges and appointees and the rest. But the House has been extremely productive, not just extremely productive. The House has been more productive than any Congress in the modern era. More productive <laughs> than any Congress in the modern era.
9: I guess that depends on how you define modern era. If, it's, if, it's, <laughs> if it started in January, then yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I remember back in 2007 when uh, we took over the majority, of, we were a lot more productive than... Uh, than this Congress will ever be. And, uh, I mean, it's just ludicrous, but that's, you know, what are you well, going to do? What, if you... So
1: when he talks about 316 bills, uh, what, what kind of bills, right?
9: Well, there are a lot of bills that uh, make no Im- have no impact on people's lives, no real impact on people's lives, well, naming, we naming lucky, federal facilities yeah. and so forth and a lot of bills that are never going to go anywhere in the Senate. They were bills that, and this has been the case now since they've been in the majority, they pass bills that are messaging bills so they can go home to their base and say, hey, hey, we did this, Mm -hmm. Uh, and not to mention the fact that, not mentioning the fact that they will never be enacted into law. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to just do it in total number of actual numbers of bills being (laughs) passed by the House, they've done a lot. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they're totally inconsequential. It,
1: it is a classic case of a quantity over quality, isn't it? <laughs> exactly
9: <laughs> right exactly right. But I mean' they, counting right, right. right I
8: mean well, the numbers uh, are a lot easier to sell than ideas,
9: yeah, <laughs> I mean, they can't name one thing that's that's significant that has been signed by the president into law that uh, that has come out of the House of Representatives it just that doesn't exist right right
8: well, I think yeah. that's the interesting thing, looking forward to twenty eighteen right because they will have very few legislative victories to say during the midterms. Which to me suggests Democrats have an even better chance, especially after this week's deal, to retake the House.
9: Yeah. Oh I, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I'll give you a, a fascinating polling result that just came out of Kentucky within the last ten days or so. Um, Donald Trump's approval rating in Kentucky mm-hmm. is 60%, sixty percent. Which is surprising. But I mean that's right. it not surprising to me, but it's it, a lot it, higher than, in, than the rest of, 60, yeah, yeah. the rest of the country. Yeah. Sixty <laughs> percent. Mitch McConnell's Approval rating in Kentucky is 18 percent. What? <gasps> Whoa! Wow! So that I think is a, is a, an indicator of the the people's recognition that Congress is hmm. functioning not, is totally dysfunctional. Right. And uh, and a rejection of Mitch's leadership. What's kind of interesting to me though is that it also shows that uh, obviously Donald Trump's supporters see Mitch as someone who is not doing. What Donald Trump wants, right, right, and uh, that ha- I haven't had time to process how that would affect the n- all the national elections, but it uh, it's an interesting harbinger, I think.
1: Now, Congressman, you sitting right where you are, um, maybe mm, a couple of months ago, or, or uh, certainly th- early earlier this year, mm-hmm. when we were talking about the efforts to repeal uh, Obamacare in the Senate, um, we all sort of fell off our chairs when you said. That you've known Mitch McConnell for a long time, and your read of Mitch McConnell was that you you weren't really sure that Mitch McConnell wanted that repeal to right. pass. Boy, you were a prophet. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it turned out you were absolutely right on.
9: Well, when he when he started going about it the way he did, where he, he was trying to draft the bill in secret and rush it to the floor, that's the only thing that made sense to me is that he— he didn't want to hang a bill that has 15% approval around his members' neck, but he had to give his members a vote. So, what do you do in that situation? I mean, he was in a no-win situation. He was going to either lose his reputation as a master of uh, the legislative process, or he was going to potentially lose his majority. So, he um, he got he did what he did. He got foiled up, fouled up a little bit because he couldn't get the motion to proceed prior to July 4th recess. So that bill hung out there for a week, which didn't improve its prospects. But the, the key indicator to me that I was right <laughs> about that yeah. was the, the remarks that he made right after the vote went down in the middle of the night. He clearly knew exactly what he was going to say and was prepared to say it. Right. And I said, OK, this is part of the plot all along.
8: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, thinking about this week's deal, too, and McConnell, do you, how do you make sense of the way that Trump struck this deal with Pelosi and Schumer, do you think it's reflective of the way he feels about McConnell? Or do you think it was inspired by something else?
9: <laughs> you know, I I, will, I would go broke and crazy <laughs> trying to analyze what's in Donald right. Trump's brain. I, I actually wrote a piece for a publication back home a few weeks ago, before actually before Hurricane Harvey, and I said— the inside of Donald Trump's mind must resemble a hurricane with no calm eye <laughs> and, and i, I yeah. so i don't know but
1: it is awfully hard to read impossible yeah, right. but, but
9: i think he saw an opportunity in the spur of the moment to stick it to Mitch and to actually get something done right and uh, i think he just he recognized that and took it
8: right and he that's maybe something there. he could take to those 60% of folks in places like Kentucky who love him but hate McConnell and say i did this By sticking it to Mitch, as you said, and I don't need him, and you all don't like him, so this is how we're (laughs) moving forward. Yeah,
9: and you know, there's been some talk recently, leading up to that meeting, about how basically the Congress, the leadership in Congress, had decided that Trump was irrelevant, Mm -hmm. and that they were going to go their own way on all this stuff. Right. And that might have been a pushback from the president on on that mentality as well.
1: Yeah. Before we leave, ask you just one quick question. Is it over, number one, I guess it's a 2 part question, or will there be another attempt at a repeal vote? Every once in a while somebody raises that issue. What's your take on that? And secondly, um, what damage, it, the fact that there's no repeal doesn't mean Obamacare is sound, right? Oh, that's right? Because they're doing everything they can to undercut it, right? So what's the future there?
9: Well, I, I really don't think that they, there may be an attempt Another attempt to to revive to the repeal—that's kind of an oxymoron. Revive the yeah, repeal, but right. uh, <laughs> to re- attempt to repeal. There's <laughs> not a lot of, uh, but I don't know, think excitement it, I, for that. No, huh? and I don't. I, I think Paul wrecking Paul Ryan recognizes that probably anything that would come out of the Senate can't pass the House again. I think that the House members have been chastised <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, are chastened about that. And you know, we had they passed with a two-vote margin as it was, and. I don't think it'll pass again and Mitch doesn't want any part of it. So I, I can't see a, a movement getting any further a repeal. Now, I think this effort to come up with some fixes for basically for the individual Rich market. Alexander
1: is leading. Yeah. Um, right. I
9: think has have some pretty good prospects. And that that's something that in the House probably would require the same kind of configuration where it's 50 Republicans and the rest of Democratic votes, but I think that can happen and should. Uh, You know, we're not, you know, Democratic districts are not the only ones that are affected by this individual market problem, and we need a solution. The bill, the, the law has been sabotaged, and interestingly enough, in the Senate bill that failed, a couple of the provisions were actually to reinstate the things that in the Affordable Care Act that kept it alive, so that reinstated the the uh, or institutionalized the the cost sharing reductions, put in reinsurance programs which were in the original law and then defunded by the by the Republicans. So it was kind of a recognition. They knew how to fix the individual market because mm-hmm. they knew how to sabotage <laughs> them. Yeah, and, right. and so I, I think that's um, uh, a possibility. So now the
1: Trump administration is not like, like mm-hmm. w- w- under President Obama. The, the the government did everything it could to encourage people to sign up here's the deadline you, you, you got another month and you know, get in get in get in the trump administration is doing none of that marketing at all so uh, are they going to they want it to wither on the vine um
9: yeah right will it they do no i don't think so I, you know i think right one of the things that happened as a result of this debate is a lot of people across the country came to realize two things. One is there really isn't an alternative to, to the Affordable Care Act, except single payer, which is gaining a lot of traction around the country, Medicare for everybody. Um, and and secondly, that it, they understand what Medicaid does. And and people began to realize, oh, Medicaid's not just for, for poor people, for deadbeats and so forth. It's, it does pay for the, the vast majority of uh, yeah. nursing home care in the country. It is... It does cover 40% of the children in the country and so forth and so on. So they said, okay, yeah, we don't, we don't want these to roll back this Medicaid expansion because it's really important. And, you know, in my state, 1.3 million people out of 4.4 million get their health care through Medicaid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, which is another reason I think Mitch was lukewarm on trying to, 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 to do anything that actually passed. Right. You mentioned, um,
1: jump in when you when you want to. Yeah.
8: Well, to... I was just going to say, can you imagine if after running on repealing and replacing Obamacare on day one, Trump ends up as the president who actually props up Obamacare <laughs> <laughs> at the end happen. of it
1: all? It could I mean, happen. it's, it's it could, just. It could happen.
8: Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, at yeah. one time, he was for single payer. Right. Yes. Let right. us not exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we have the clips <laughs> of that. Uh, I, I promised you a last question on health care, but so right. you triggered <laughs> another one in my mind, which is Medicare for everybody. You know, there are. Uh, You're right. It has more support now. John Conyers, and I think you're on that that legislation, aren't you? Yeah, the more people have signed signed that I think 117 now. The House bill than ever before. Uh, We know Bernie Sanders is still campaigning on it around the country. Senator Kamala Harris from uh, California uh, has signed on to that legislation in the Senate. Uh, There are some Democrats who are saying that Medicare for everybody should be a litmus litmus test for any Democrat running
9: for office at, at any level. Do you agree? I don't believe in litmus tests. Um, you know, I, my opinion is that, and it's the same thing opinion I have of of uh, on the abortion issue and guns and everything else. If I can find 24 new Democrats to come into the House who oppose gun control legislation or who are pro-life or who don't care, don't want to support Medicare for everybody, I'll take them. <laughs>
7: I'd mm-hmm. rather
9: be in the majority. So... I think, that's, uh, I think that's self-defeating to impose litmus tests. I do think, however, uh, I, I believe this very, very strongly, that Medicare is the only issue that could actually move votes next year in the congressional race, I in the congressional races. I don't mm-hmm. believe there is anything else that actually can gain enough traction to move votes. So I would encourage anybody who's running for, as a Democrat to embrace that but it's it's the surest fire applause line any before any group I go to now
1: right is that right and I, I, would, mm-hmm. I, I would I would I, in addition to that, I guess you would encourage the party to make that like the party's position right yeah absolutely and as long as that that's the party's position then you could accept somebody who agrees with the party on everything else but maybe not that
9: exactly right right
1: Right. yeah excuse me one second here a little uh this
9: is a bill press show Uh breaking Uh news update Uh
3: while we are on the topic of health care donald trump has tweeted just a few minutes ago it's a two-parter here Uh, republicans sorry but i've been hearing about repeal and replace for seven years didn't happen even worse the senate filibuster rule will continued never allow the republicans to pass even great legislation Eight Dems control will rarely get 60 versus 51 votes. It is a Repub death wish. (laughs) Two minutes ago on Twitter, Donald Trump. He's
1: obsessed with this filibuster thing, which is
9: is crazy because that wasn't what killed it. (laughs) So I don't. (laughs) No, no, they didn't. No, they (laughs) they were operating (laughs) under 51 votes, and
1: they couldn't get 51.
9: Exactly. So yeah. But you know, I'm, I, apparently a light bulb's gone off in his head somewhere in that, right. in that <laughs> it's a storm of rain, and he, he understands what actual reality is. Okay, so
1: um, the deal, uh, Alexi and I were talking about it earlier. Uh, to everyone's surprise, uh, sitting there with Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and and and, uh, and uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, after they all made their case, he said, uh, "No, I don't. This eighteen months. Uh, no, I'll take your deal, Nancy. <laughs> yeah. Right." Um, were you surprised, and is it a good deal?
9: Well, I, I think it's a good deal. I, I, as a Democrat, yeah, as was uh, trying to function in Congress because we do have only two points of leverage, and and that's when we're de- just trying to keep the government operating and the other one's the, the debt ceiling. We have no other uh, mm-hmm. issues or any points of leverage at all. So, uh, yeah, this gives us the opportunity to, uh, to do two things. One is to... Pass a funding bill for the rest of the of the fiscal year that more closely resembles the deal we made at the end for the end of 2017, which you know balanced increases in defense spending with increases in domestic spending as well, and not huge cuts in domestic spending to pay for rises in defense spending. But that would what have to come
1: what in December, not that would now. Come, exactly,
9: yeah. but we, we now have the leverage to right. to, do, to negotiate that, and secondly to do something with the dreamers. And, and, uh, and institutionalizing DACA uh, as part of the law. And uh, I know that I, our caucus is, is overwhelmingly committed to, using, to putting that as a top priority as part of those negotiations, that we're not going to keep the government open uh, in December unless we can do something about the DREAMers.
8: Bill and I were talking about this earlier. Um, do you anticipate Trump will make a similar deal with Democrats in these six months on DACA?
9: Well, I I think the odds are pretty strong that he will. I mean, that's what he told Nancy and Chuck Schumer yesterday, that he was committed to working for it. He said that publicly, that he wants to get something done, which is bizarre. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I as much as you can take him at his word I, he's gotten some good publicity out of this deal so i would he loves the good he publicity, publicity. That he got out right. of this and deal, i you I know that's the one thing i kept thinking about this morning this this is so ironic that the the media that he trashes so frequently is what drives him right and i mean right. that's what he lives by and responds to and so in this case, if the good publicity makes him more of a a balanced uh, bipartisan president, then I'm uh, uh, I'm very grateful for that.
1: Uh, and also, we know that he is fixated on how much he gets done. He's always bragging about everything he's accomplished, and and he also has to know that okay. So I'd like for, let's 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 pretend we were all sitting in that meeting. You know, he looks at Mitch and Paul, and he knows he. He gave them his number one priority, and they didn't deliver. Yeah. Why wouldn't he say, "Well, let's to, I'll, I'll take a flyer with Nancy and Chuck and see if they can deliver, and they can, right right. Yeah. So on the DACA thing, could a standalone institutionalize the Dream Act pass the House? How, how many Democrats do we have, and how many Republican votes would you need?
9: I would say we have um, at least 180 to 85 Democratic votes. Good start. Uh, Yeah, and you need 218. 218. So you don't need too many Republicans. And you know, I think Mike Kaufman was going to introduce a a discharge petition. Republican, a discharge petition being a way to get something to the floor if leadership doesn't want to do it. Um, You know, this is this is a time, not just for presidential leadership, but for leadership out of uh, Paul Ryan. And the Speaker has said numerous times that. He doesn't want these kids to be deported, that mm-hmm. he values them. Uh, he needs to show it now. It's totally within his power. If a bill comes to the floor, it passes the House.
1: You really believe that? Yeah. Right. I think there's actually
9: yeah. a bigger problem in the Senate. Hmm. Uh, according to, to Chuck Schumer and Dick Durbin yesterday, uh, there are only about five Republicans so far who have embraced uh, passage of the DREAM Act. So that doesn't get them to 60. Gets them to 57, 53. Huh? Or fifty. Yeah, five Republicans and 48 Democrats. Oh, 48. So, yeah, I, think get, I have yeah, it backwards right 53. So they, they need seven or eight more. Uh,
1: so Paul Ryan, if if Paul Ryan were to do what John Boehner, I think, did on like one occasion, right, is mm-hmm. allow the bill to come to the floor so that everyone could vote on it, uh, you don't need the Freedom Caucus. You no. could do it without the Freedom exactly. Caucus.
9: Exactly. Yeah, we'd only need at that point probably what, 35 votes from Republicans out of 240. So, right. yeah, you know, I, I think that we'd easily pass it in the House.
8: I'd love to talk about the human element of this, right, especially in Kentucky. Can you speak a little bit about, like, the Dreamer situation in Kentucky as well as the economic impact they have in your state?
9: Yeah, I mean, we have close to 5,000 Dreamers in my district alone. Oh, um, my yeah. God, really?
8: Wow.
1: Yeah,
9: it, it's pretty amazing. And um, we, we, I think there are... Six thousand or so statewide. So we have the ba- the balance mm-hmm. of them in my district, which is to be expected. It was a lower, in an urban right. urban district, yeah. um, and these are, you know, people who are working, uh, providing great productivity. They're uh, they've gone through school. They're smart. They're they're active. They're aggressive. They're great citizens. Um, and except they're not citizens, except they're not. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah, you're right. right, they're great right. members of society. That's a better way to put it. Uh, and the idea that we would say you're not wanted is, is is just shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, economically, there is a huge. I don't know what the numbers are, right. Alexi, but um, in terms of their economic uh, output and but it's it's significant. And so, but the, just the, the morality of this—that you you got. Young people who are totally innocent, right. <laughs> have never done anything wrong, and, and have done everything right, and we say, no, we don't want them. That's, they, and who
8: didn't have a choice. Didn't you didn't know, have a choice. I think the average age we have at Axios' chart, you know, Dreamers by the Numbers, mm-hmm. and the average age is like 25. So they're so today. young yeah. right. right today and, yeah. they, and they came, came when here 10. I think the average
1: age was
9: 7 yeah.
8: maybe yeah. or right. younger yeah Right like you don't have autonomy you can't make decisions to stay
9: Right and Jeff Sessions in his statement the other day I thought it was so insulting and so mis- misleading uh, to talk about how they are drain on benefits, how they use them—they don't. They're young. They're—they're not, right. they're not getting medical mm-hmm. care. I mean, a few right. of them might be, but they're not. <laughs> no, they're not taking right. federal benefits. And they're paying taxes. And they're paying taxes. <laughs> and I think you I know,
8: saw something like they contribute 116 <laughs> billion in taxes over their time here, which is just incredible. And I'm glad you brought up Jeff Sessions' comments because he said, you know, the argument was that it's unconstitutional. But then, you know, it's like, well, we're giving Congress six months (laughs) to decide what to do and winding it down. But if it's unconstitutional, then why not just abolish it? So that's misleading as well. And also it lacked specifics. He didn't say how it's really Mm -hmm. unconstitutional or what that means or reassure anyone, like, what steps Congress and the president will be taking in these six months to make sure that everyone is treated fairly. It just... It's, a, it's another moment in which Jeff Sessions especially, because he is the point person to go out for the DOJ and talk about these things, is talking about issues that affect people en masse and, and refuses to give details.
1: He, my right. take on uh, the rule of law argument was, don't talk to me about the rule of law after you just pardoned Joe Arpaio. Well, exactly right. Uh, you know, um, yeah. uh, let's face it. The other exactly. thing that was strange about this, uh, Jeff Sessions' announcement was, well, uh, and Donald Trump said the same thing. Uh, well, Sarah Sanders said it at our uh, press briefing at the White House. Well, we had no choice because uh, 10 states were going to file a lawsuit against us. Well, now 15, <laughs> yeah. now 15 states have filed a lawsuit <laughs> to defend it. So, I mean, go figure, right? Yeah. Exactly right. Did you see what yeah. uh, Governor John Kasich said about that? He said, yeah, the answer is I'll see you in court.
8: Right. Right.
1: right. You know, if you believe in something, I'll see you in court. Yeah. And he said, we'll expose you for who you are. You're trying to put kids at risk. Know. But, yeah, yeah, but know.
9: Good for him. No, it, uh, you know, so many people have, have done themselves really proud in this whole episode. I mean, my former colleague, Rahm Emanuel, and basically saying, hey, you're not going to send him home from Chicago. Right. And uh, right. that, that uh, he was going to protect him. That's a pretty cool thing.
1: Right. Are we going to see any tax? So we have about 30 seconds. Any tax reform this year? is going to happen?
9: I think the odds are. Almost nothing. Yeah. yeah, it's not gonna. It's much too complicated. Uh, when once you get into the complexities of figuring out deductions, every de- little deduction and how it affects this other move and so forth, uh, you know, that's not, it, it's just too. It's too much. It it would take a year of deliberation to do that. And if we do it out in the open, then it'll never happen.
1: There are (laughs) 10,000 lobbyists and only 435 members of Congress, so we know uh, (laughs) know the the numbers there. Hey, Congressman, it's so great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Always Alexi, good to have you here for the rise. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, folks.